The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com, all one word. There you can listen to old archive shows and as well ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to talk to you all. Yes, hey, good morning, Scott. Nice seeing you virtually, that is. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, speaking of COVID-19 and, and what we're involved, things have kind of calmed down now, but still a lot of people asking questions and, and how this is going to change things moving forward. Maybe give us a bit of an yeah. update. Yeah, that's right. You know, as we were talking about this, and, and I'm going to uh, speak a little bit later about a conversation I had with a client who was looking to purchase a new car and needs $40,000 to uh, to complete that transaction. But it was interesting in, in her discussions around the vehicle purchase, um, you know, just how this sort of hangover of COVID is still there in the context, you know, she still worries that, you know, her money might be all gone. You know, how, how do I... How confident am I? There's obviously still always more questions and there are answers when it comes to COVID-19. And uh, so I think that paralysis is still out there, the fear of uh, the fear of who knows where this will still take us with a second wave, et cetera. So um, not that that, you know, at the end of the day, we probably won't stop her from purchasing a car, but we'll, we'll talk more a little bit about that and the ins and outs uh, later on in the show. And it's amazing how capitalism works, you know, where there's, an opportunity, capitalism is the fastest to adapt. And even our own company, how fast uh, uh, digital forms have taken place. We've gone from 15% digital forms to 80% digital forms in a period of three months. And amazing, you know, we're seeing clients virtually. We're often seeing them on a t- uh, Microsoft Teams meeting or a Zoom or FaceTime. And uh, yes, as we are, you know, I actually have been seeing even clients with you know, with or without masks, depending, but uh, over six feet apart, in like in the backyard. So you're outside, kind of like patios are opening for restaurants. And I said, well, if they they can open for restaurants. It's easy at least sit there apart from each other and still talk to clients. So there, it's out there. It's it's the grip has loosened a little bit, but as far as clients' concerns go, um, you know, it, it's still there, and we we acknowledge that. But uh, we're, you know, where there is. Um, a negative side to it from a investment standpoint. There's also a lot of positives. There's so many great stories out there right now. I know retail has been really hurt and restaurants have been really hurt, but things that anything digital, of course, grocery stores, uh, recreational vehicles, bicycles. So yeah, there's a, it, it's a, it's amazing how humans have adapted in the period of just over three months now. And uh, as we have here, uh, we're watching each other on uh, Microsoft Teams, talking on a three-way conference call. We've been doing this for three months now. Eventually, I'd love to see you all, guys, um, everybody here live, and we'll be in the studio. But, uh, you know, you make the best of it, and I think that's, uh, to the most part, what people are doing in whatever they're doing in their way of life. That going forward, um, old age security, it wasn't long ago people were getting uh, an extra $300 for anybody collecting old age security, the government says we're going to give those recipients an extra $300 and another $200 on top of that for anybody getting guaranteed income supplement. Now, one 
group did not get their $300. And those were the ones that decided to, to defer receiving their old age security. Now, this is interesting. Only 17% of the population in Canada surveyed even knew that you could defer old age security. And, you know, I, I won't be too hard on these people because it hasn't been around that long. But because they've even had, spoken to um, accountants about this. And they were, everybody seems to know that you can defer your Canada pension plan, but you can also defer your old age security. And does it make sense? Well, it's kind of interesting. Andy was just talking about, you know, the ups and downs of the markets and so forth, as you know, we've talked about certainly you know, throughout the COVID weeks. And it's nice to have a stable income, and old age security is that stable income. But let's say you could defer it. Well, by deferring it, it, goes, it, it will be increased by 0.6% per month. And that gives a lot of, a lot of uh, opportunities because you, you think about it, um, generally women live longer than men by an average of three years. And you can actually custom your pensions. So if you were, say, a married couple, and the husband said, well, okay, I'm going to collect my old age security at 65, the woman could say, okay, I'm going to defer mine. I'm going to start pulling my RSPs out a little earlier, and I'll defer my old age security, say, 68 or even 70. You can defer the, the, the deadline, just like Canada Pension Plan, is age 70. But what a great way to you know, interlock or kind of dovetail between your RSP assets, your Canada Pension Plan, in your old age security to try to get the most tax efficient strategy you possibly can get using all three sources. And there is income splitting opportunities, not with old age security, because right now everybody gets the exact same amount as long as they've been in Canada for 40 years. And their current maximum is $613.53. Now, you can put it off, say, for one year, two years, right up to five years, right to age 70. And if you did defer to age 70, that means you would get $834 a month rather than $613 a month, a 36% increase. But really it comes down to how long, where's that break-even point, and do you feel you could break even or do better than that break-even point? And so if you deferred it, say, for one year to age 66, you get a little bit more. You get 657 a month, and the break-even point is age 80. So you have to live another 14 years to break even. Now, if you if you say I'm going to defer for two, I'm going to start at age 67. The break-even point is 81. Well, if you if you go right to the end and say I'm going to defer to age 70, and this is a, often a great opportunity for people to defer it because they're still working. There's a lot of people that are actually making more money than they've ever made in their mid-60s, they finally, I guess, uh, hit the sweet spot of their job. They need, they're very well uh, educated. They got all the wisdom of going forward, and, and you know, the employers want to keep them. And they're, if they were to collect their old age security, it would all get clawed back. Well, by deferring it, say, to age 70, you're going to get $834.40 a month. Their break-even point is age 84. Now, interesting enough, if you do hit the age of 65, the average male lives to about age 83, and the average female lives to age 86, 87. So it is about the break-even point, just on actuary. But if, you have your, if your parents are both living to 100, you might want to say, well, I got the genetics, I'm in good shape, I have low blood pressure, I'm on no medication, there's a good chance I'm going to live past age 84. 
in which case, why not defer it? And if you deferred it, and let's say you just lived to 85, well, you're actually $2,600 in the good. If you lived to age 90, you're $15,902 in the good. If you lived to age 95, you're now $29,000 ahead of where you would have been had you started taking at age 65. And if you hit that magic number of 100, you're actually going to be $42,000 ahead. So looking at somebody that, that does live to 100, which we're finding, of course, more and more people, at age 65, if you start at age 65, you would have got 257000 in old age security. But if you start at age 70, you would have got 300000 and And both of those numbers are without inflation. And this is where inflation, the indexing of this, is even better because both, both Canada Pension Plan and old age security are indexed. And what a great way to supplement. Like, this is your safe part of your portfolio. And, you know, certainly with what we've gone through in terms of the markets going up and down because of COVID, everybody loves to have that guaranteed income right now. And, of course, when things are going great and the markets are doing 15% a year, then everybody says, well, why do I want to have, you know, a GIC or something safe? Well, trust me, this is a nice to have that solid part of your foundation giving you a very good income. So let's... Let's take the scenario now of your Canada pension plan doing the same thing. Well, the maximum amount on your Canada pension plan, if you max it out every year through your employer or self-employed, the maximum right now is $1,175.83. If you put that off to age 70, you'll actually get a 42% increase. Now, the break-even point on that is age 82. And so it's a little less because it is, increase more. It's 0.7% per month, rather than old age security is only increased by 0.6% per month. But still, not a massive difference. There, one break-even's at 82, one's 84. But at the end of the day, instead of getting 1175 a month, you're now going to get 1700 a month by putting off your candidate pension plan. And so if you are, feel that you're going to live into your late 80s or longer, here's two great ways, OAS and CPP combined, could you add those two together, and you're getting quite a pension, just a single person, it works out to $2,500, $2,504 a month if you deferred both to age 70 years old. Versus at 65, you'd only get $1,789 a month. You're actually getting an increase of $714 a month by putting these off. And that's just for one person. Of course, if there's a couple... You can now slice and dice it. Maybe one person takes it at age 65, one at 70. Why I'm saying not at 60? Really, it's uh, taking Canada Pension Plan at age 60 is generally a mistake. You really have to um, have a lower life expectancy. Uh, the break-even point at taking at age 60 versus 65 is age 74. And, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. This is one of the areas that I feel most people are, are making, hurting themselves financially by saying, okay, I need to take my, I'm going to take my CPP out early. My buddies are doing it. I talked to this person at work. Whatever the reason, it's never generally a financial planner giving this advice. And so they're saying, take it early. And, or even some people say, I'll take it early. And I'll put it into my tax-free savings account or my RSP. It still doesn't make sense. Certainly the break-even point might not be 74. It might be 76. At the end of the day, human nature is generally not to save every penny. And therefore, if you can have some forced savings and make and you're getting this guaranteed index pension, nothing wrong with getting 
this uh, pension, what's $1,800 a month between OAS and CPP at age 65? Well, just one person, that's 21000 a year. And if you did happen to put it off till age 70, 70 that works out to just over 30000 a year guaranteed pension. And that's between your CPP, which you did contribute to, and the old age security, which you do not contribute to. But again, the hard part with the old age security is making sure you do qualify. And one last part of this is the old age security. The clawback starts in 2020 at $79,000. And you start to lose 15 cents in every dollar. One way to, if, you, if you're making into the, say, let's say you make $128,000 a year, you will lose all your old age security. But if you deferred it to age 70, you're going to get a higher amount, and the clawback, the full clawback, isn't. You, it, you'll actually get a bunch, and uh, the clawback isn't until 145,000. So therefore, if you actually did make 128,000 a year, you actually you still would get $2,600 of old age security a year by taking it age 70. So lots of advantage. Speak to your financial planner about this. This is one of the areas between the CPP OAS. What the best plan for you is and it really does make a massive difference especially throughout your retirement we are planning your financial future i'm scott thompson andy lister and don fox are here from ig private wealth management call now leave a message they'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 we're coming back you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And don't forget the website at andyanddon.com. We're talking about how you purchase a car when you're on a fixed income. Yeah, and this was a, I had a, cl- a call from a client this week about uh, purchasing a new car. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting how it actually led to probably an hour conversation about different strategies around the car purchase, as well as uh, some analysis of her individual financial plan. So we'll talk a little bit more about that part later. But um, so this was a situation like like so many people during your retirement period, you want to think about how often am I going to replace the car? And some people like to lease a vehicle. Some people like to uh, buy a vehicle for cash. Some people like to run their car into the ground, you know, and so it's sort of a, um, you know, that sort of keeping it for 10 to 15 years plus, and, and then there's everything in between. And so the, in this situation, the, the client had typically over the last, uh, you know, 20, 30 years, kept a vehicle for about 10 years and the current one is a 2011 SUV and uh, so she's started to think about trips that she's been taking back and forth to the cottage and just for a safety for safety features etc thinking about a new vehicle and um, and in a visit to a dealership recently she spotted a, a new 2020 a Nissan Murano and uh, after trade-in was looking for $40,000 cash in terms of payment. Now, it's interesting as, as this time of, uh, under the scenario of COVID today, there are a lot of deals and interesting deals for cars out there. And um, so 
the, her son went with her. They looked at a few of them, and you know, he said, "Well, why don't you why don't you do it now? Don't wait a year. Your car, I know it's nine years old. Usually, you do it over ten. But uh, the kicker is, she's seventy, and so and her now she's thinking, well, if I own this car for ten years, I'm going to be eighty by the time I get the next if I if I do replace it. So you know, it's true. Why wait a year? So that started the ball rolling, and um, so now in terms of, of of dickering with the dealership, there's a couple of different options. So the first of all, there was the cash option. So if you trade in your vehicle, give us the full full purchase price. Uh, the price will be forty thousand dollars cash. But you do have the option of a zero uh, percent financing arrangement over five years, and that worked out to they wanted seven hundred and sixteen dollars a month. Well, even with no interest, the problem is is that they actually started with a higher value at the beginning. Instead of only $40,000 to purchase the vehicle, they wanted 43000 So even though you're paying 0% interest, there was actually a just almost $3,000 additional cost to do the 0% financing over the next five years. So that, but that, you know, at the same time, with 0% financing, this 3000 maybe does it still make sense? Can I keep my money invested? and just simply draw out $716 a month for the next five years, and what might I be left over with uh, at the end of all that. So just some quick calculations on that. If you invested $40,000 and you earned uh, 5% per year over the next five years, and you took $716 a month, uh, that would leave about 2300 bucks. So, you know, really, at 5%, it's not even a break-even. So in this case, we sort of circled back to, well, let's just look at a cash purchase instead of financing. Now, they did have another financing option. They could stretch it out over six years with a 0.9%, um, and that actually was a little bit better because the price was a little better up front, too. So it's a funny, it's amazing how many little variables or scenarios there can be just in terms of the purchase option, never mind narrowing it down to the vehicle you want, but at least we're at that point and now trying to figure out to get the money. So a little bit of background about where the the client sits today. So as mentioned, she's 70 years old and um, owns her home and a cottage as well. And the value of that's about a million dollars. She has RSPs still because she hasn't converted much to a RIF, but 700,000 in RSPs. 50000 in a RIF, a non-registered account of about 400000 and savings and emergency fund of 95000 and in her checking account about 5000 So um, a net worth today is $2,250,000. And uh, she currently spends about 70000 a year. And as far as income, she has a pension of 50000 Her CPP, which Don actually and uh, she had deferred, uh, she just started at seventy, is uh, fifteen hundred a month. Uh, OAS, uh, she is some taking some RIF payment, um, investment income, uh, and she her total taxable income is ninety six thousand. So she's actually getting some clawback right now. And um, as some listeners might recognize, that having seven hundred thousand in RRSPs at age seventy. She has until the end of next year. All of that has to be converted to a RIF, and will start to pay out additional income to her in the tune of about forty to fifty thousand a year, starting in twenty twenty two. So there's money. There's more money coming to her in a couple of years, but not right now. 
Um, and as Don mentioned, the 79000 is the OAS threshold clawback. So at, with her income of 96000 she's losing about 3000 a year to uh, old age security clawback. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, we were, as I mentioned before, she certainly still worried, you know, I, I don't know what would happen if all of my money, you know, if the money sort of just went down because of COVID and I didn't have any money left. And, um, you know, I think that that's still something that people think about. And, you know, we know as we sort of work through that discussion and talking about how, you know, sitting together 10 years from today, we'd be looking back at this scenario like we have with her plan over the last 20 years. And also, although all of the different crises that have happened over the last two decades, there, and, you know, there's still crises ahead of us. And despite all that, the plan has still worked out for her and uh, and she's been uh, very confident in terms of her retirement. And but the other interesting point that she made, which I thought was uh, which is a common thread, is that you know if I don't have money in my account, my bank account, I don't feel like I have any money. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that all of her her investments, etc., or RSPs, non-registered, are in investments that we're managing for her. The money's not in her bank account, so it doesn't feel like it's like it's available or that she can use it. And that's always been her philosophy, and that served her well as she sort of built, worked her way towards retirement. But now in retirement, we're trying to flip the switch and spend some of the money, right? So I actually said, well, wait a second. Doesn't Nissan have a, a, a another higher-end level? I think it's the Infinity is the next step up. Well, she laughed. She said, you're trying to make me spend more money on a car? <laughs> And I said, well, you know what? I've been crunching the numbers for you, and uh, I think you can certainly afford it, but um, I know you need to wrap your head around that, and a lot of times people, it's hard to justify the value, the additional value for uh, the additional cost. But um, uh, So anyway, we, we, we put that on the sideline, and just coming back to the, the problem at hand is where to get the money from. So if she needs $40,000, does she take it from her savings, the emergency fund? There's 95000 sitting there. Does she take it from her non-registered investments? Does she take it from her tax-free savings account? Does she take it from her RSPs or her RIFs? Um, and in all of these, there's sort of a little different what-if scenario around it. And um, so the game plan is we use our our financial planning software, we call it our PFP, personal financial planning software, to look at those different what-if scenarios. And so just starting off with some, the first, maybe an obvious one, well, maybe I should take it out of the RRSP or RIF. And um, we know right away that that will increase her taxable income and it will also increase her old age security clawback. Um, now that's coming down the road in, in two years anyway, but, uh, to this point, you know, she's still getting OAS. So we didn't want to make it completely disappear for 2020. So we sort of backed away from the RSP, uh, contribution TFSA or withdraw me, uh, TFSA. Well, that one out of the gate, it seems like a no brainer, right? Why not take it from there? No tax implications, um, you know, I can replace it down the road when that new money starts coming in and that sort of thought process. We talked about this for a little bit. But the TFSA silo in terms of taking money out or beginning to drain money out of that was always positioned as a long-term goal. That was going to be for, for later on in retirement. And simply keeping that money in a tax-free savings account, we went with a long-term growth plan and a more aggressive portfolio. 
So as a result, it's down right now year to date because of uh, stock market fluctuation. So is it a good time to sell the TFS 40,000 out of the TFSA and, and maybe crystallize a loss year to date? We talked about that as well. Then we get into the non-registered investments. You had 400000 there. Well, that one, maybe that's a good spot. And um, the, the truth is, even though the portfolio is down, uh, there are areas we could take some money from, but there are still capital gains involved. And with capital gains, that would increase her um, old-age security clawback. And we also had to look at, you know, is it, the good t- is it a good time to sell as well? Um, and then finally, we, we talked about her savings. So this 95000 that's sitting in savings, which is pretty good. It's a little over a year's cushion, right? It's almost uh, 13, 14 months worth of cushion. And, um, you know, and I said, well, does that feel like that's your money to spend? Because it's in your it's in your bank account. It's available. So, oh, I don't know, not really, because I, it's tucked away in the savings account and a GIC here. So, even though it's liquid, it's it's sort of short term money, and it, this is exactly what it was designed for. It still feels out of reach because it's not in her checking account where she does her day to day operations and day to day banking. So. I had a genius idea. I said, why don't we move 40000 from the savings account into your checking account, and then you feel free to spend it. <laughs> They're both earning the same rate of return. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and um, so uh, that, that was sort of comes back to comfort level, right? How much money do people feel they need to have at, at hand uh, and have that freedom to be able to spend it along the way, too? So... Um, so we, we we've we came back to a combination of things to get this forty thousand, and the first thing we looked at is well we need to take something out of savings. I feel there's a lot there we can replace it down the road. Um, so let's look at half of it coming from savings. So twenty grand was going to come from savings, and uh, and that seemed to be okay. That left her still seventy five thousand in short term money and. That you know, okay, that rings that rings enough comfort for her. Uh, so the other twenty grand came from we, the non-registered portfolio. So we left the TFSA and we left the RSP and the RIF, and we zeroed in on the non-registered portfolio. And there were a couple of positions in there that did still have capital gains, as I mentioned, but um, that she would be able to redeem at this point uh, and not sell at a loss or sell while it's down. Let's put it that way. And um, so, really, it just sort of came together. And over the course of an hour, we talked about various thought processes around this, and uh, of course, things like um, uh, new safety features that are available on vehicles. And with her drive back and forth to the cottage, you know, knowing and she still carries, she has a large dog that she needs to carry. So it was important to have all these little pieces and all these little features uh, that made it all part of um, the discussion. And as I said, and I, and I had prepared for our call by updating her retirement plan. And what that meant was um, uh, certainly updating, obviously, current market values, but being able to analyze her, her tax projections, what is her marginal tax bracket, and also uh, analyzing what the capital gains or an RSP would, withdrawal would do in terms of her tax position as well. So, you know, it, I think sort of summarize it, you know, when you think about financial planning, um, there is so many topics, so many financial decisions that we're thinking about, uh, whether it's COVID-19 or not, these things still carry on. And the, and the car purchasing process is something that's still 
is uh, is still part of it. So, um, you know, Don and I like to we go deep. We dive. We deep do a deep dive on this, and uh, we try and analyze all the outcomes of these scenarios. And, uh, and and so, I think just to give people an idea, that's what happens when we're dealing with a financial planner and the process that I think helps unfold and just pe- make you feel more confident about a the decision, and then b that um, uh, you're not missing any. No stone is left unturned. And, and it's interesting, with cars, it's still looked upon as one of the biggest decisions you're going to make. And it's interesting, it's not that people wear out cars, particularly in retirement. They may have done a little bit more travel, say, driving to Florida or something like that. But a lot of the time, people are just driving a lot locally. So they'll have a 10-year-old car, might only have 50,000 kilometers on it, or even, or even an older car and still, still have a, a very small amount of kilometers on it. Yeah, this, I think she had 112,000 kilometers on it at and, this point. After and how nine, old was the car? Not nine years. Okay. So they're not doing as much, but at the same time, as you said, Andy, the safety features are amazing, and the blind spot detection, yes. um, particularly for the, you know, as you get older, less flexibility and so forth. Um, I had one client do that exactly, and they did check, similar enough, we also did check um, the 0% or, you know, the rate that you can borrow at at the dealership, and same as your idea. Well, if you paid cash, you'll get this amount, and otherwise you'll get, in your case, it was about $43,000 if you have the 0% financing. Exactly. Well, really, I just worked that out while you were talking, Andy. It works out to a 2.39% interest rate. There you go. <laughs> so it wasn't free. It's kind of like those payday loan things. Oh, it's just a fee, you know, but it's still, if you, at the end of the day, it still comes out of your pocket. And if it's coming out of your pocket, call it interest, call it a fee, but it still worked out to 2.39%. So that being the case, going through what you went through, Andy, and all the alternatives, you end up with the, you know, the most efficient way of doing it. Not, you know, and that's where financial planners, it doesn't really matter whether it's a car, your candidate pension plan, your retirement, or your estate. There's always a strategy. So I guess the moral of the story here is if your financial planner is telling you to spend some money, maybe it's a good idea to spend some money. Always listen to us. Exactly. <laughs> we are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you. Quick break. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. As well, check out the website at andyanddon.com. Going to talk about income splitting here. Yes. You know, um, once this COVID hit, the interest rates dropped. They dropped about a percent right away. And that also meant that the spousal loans that you could do from one spouse to another went from 2% to 1%. And what this means is if one spouse has a lot of funds from some kind of windfall, let's say a sale of business and an inheritance or what have you, they can lend that money to the other spouse at a specific rate of return that the government says here it is. And that is a lifetime rate of return. That doesn't change. So even though in, in the future those interest rates rise or drop, you're stuck at that rate of return or that interest rate. So here's an example that Joan and Henry, they're married, 
and they uh, she sells her COVID test kit for a million dollars. And she's a you know she's a highly paid scientist making two hundred fifty thousand a year, and Henry doesn't earn any income at all. So here she is, and she's got this million dollars, and she's and she has invested earning a five percent dividend, which is paying basically you know, fifty thousand dollars a year. Well, she's in a thirty nine point three four percent tax bracket, so therefore she would pay just short of twenty thousand dollars a year income tax on this every single year. Meanwhile, her husband Henry. Is or has no no earnings at all, and you know looks after the house that doesn't have any other earnings, and and she can't just gift that money to him and say you make the money on this and earn the interest because that's just not allowed um, based on the rules of the of uh, the tax person tax man here. So basically, she keeps having to pay this income. Or what she can do is she can lend Henry the million dollars at one percent, and with this. She would have to. She gets ten thousand dollars of interest from Henry, and he has to actually write a check once a year and, and show this ten thousand. Well, she'll have to pay tax as interest income on that. Interest income is is charged at a higher rate, so that's fifty three point five three percent, and she'll have to pay call it fifty three hundred dollars of income tax on that. Henry, on the other hand, is getting the fifty thousand dollars in dividends now, and with this fifty thousand dollars. The first forty-seven thousand he pays no tax on at all, and the last few thousand he pays about two hundred and fifty-seven dollars in tax. He's in a lower tax bracket. It's only a it's only about an eight percent tax bracket for him, on you know only on three thousand dollars, and on top of that because he's borrowing the money from Joan, he gets to write off the interest, that one percent, the ten thousand. So he has zero tax to pay. So it, it turns out. Just by simply Joan lending the million dollars to Henry, him investing the money in the exact same investment, the t- total pack tax bill has gone from $20,000 to just over $5,000, so a savings of almost $15,000. And that's every single year. So fast forward 10 years later, they've saved themselves about 150 grand. And this is the whole idea of t- income splitting and when you see a, a very large difference between one spouse and another, you're able to move, if you're able to find a way to do so, you can move some income from one spouse to the other, and it can save a tremendous amount of money, no different than the pension splitting is being done. Say if uh, you, know, you have a pension and you can move half of it into your wife or husband's name. Uh, another way is, let's say it's called the one plus one method. Joan would simply gift the interest every year to Henry. So if she makes $50,000 a year of interest, she would then gift the 50000 over to Henry. Henry then would earn the income from that every year after that. Now, option number one is far better, no question, especially under the new rule. Since the COVID uh, interest rate drop, option number one was better. Prior to that, actually option number two may have worked out a little bit better because the interest rate was 20%, and with interest attracting a higher rate of tax than dividends, we, it would have been a toss of the coin. We would have had to work through the numbers, but option number two might have been better. And so that's the, that's the one plus one rule. And, and one last rule, and I know Andy was talking about the RIFs and how his client was starting a RIF at a, a little earlier, which is great. If, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it makes sure that she doesn't have to pay so much tax later, and potentially the estate, if she were to pass away, all the money would be taxed, and anything over $220,000 of income 
would be taxed at 53.53%. Well, why not start the spousal RIF early? So again, let's think Henry now has $500,000 in a spousal RIF that Joan had been contributing to for years. Well, let's say he's 60 years old. He could now take out $16,666 a year, even though she keeps contributing. Normally, there's this three-year rule. But therefore, that is practically tax-free because you're allowed to make about 15000 a year. And so you're getting $16,000 out of the RSPs. Joan had been saving 50, 000, 50% when she was contributing. He's now paying zero on the way out. What a great way, to, again, to use the income-splitting rules and also make sure that upon an estate issue that you're not losing half of it to income tax. So again, there's three options for income splitting. I know there's a few others, but again, this is where you, you really have to go through your situation to see what makes the most sense to you. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Check out the website at andyanddon.com. And as well, call, leave a message now. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. Quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Check out the website at andyanddon.com or call now 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They will get back to you. Uh, a COVID retirement plan. Is it any different than the standard retirement plan? Is it all the same? You have to wear a mask. That's <laughs> and wash your hands more. That's right. Uh, no, retiring is still something that people want to do, maybe more so uh, now that they're at home more often. And so in speaking with a potential retiree this uh, in the last couple of months, so we'll call her Mary, she um, you know, had some decisions to make. She, uh, her goals were she was 62 years old, is 62 years old, and wanted to retire in three years at 65. So getting close to that. And um, she was looking to accumulate about, uh, the goal is to accumulate $500,000 in RRSP assets at the time of retirement and to develop a retirement income plan or retirement paycheck to generate about four to 5000 a month after tax during retirement. And was also interested in, we haven't gotten to this point yet, but in creating an estate plan. So um, as I mentioned, so Mary was is 62. She's working full time in a doctor's office and earns about 91 grand a year. Uh, she was a single parent and was divorced in 1990, and uh, has currently been living common law uh, with an, another uh, individual. So her advisor at uh, Manulife passed away, and so that sort of triggered a discussion and uh, timing to look at another option. She's had some bad experiences in the past owning stocks, things like Nortel, etc. And uh, so it kind of today describes herself as a low-risk investor. And But she's been maximizing her RRSP every year, which is great. She hates paying income tax at the end of the year, uh, so she has way more tax taken off at source than she needs to. So that was driving me crazy. We'll talk about that. And um, not a big traveler. So as far as retirement lifestyle, nothing major on the horizon. We'll be selling a home and downsizing in the future at retirement. And uh, in terms of longevity, her 
father and brother died at age 52, but her mom is still alive at uh, age 82, so that's pretty good. Um, so what did we end up doing and talking about? I know we don't have a lot of time, but basically um, there were a number of different things which included uh, rearranging her investment portfolio to match that sort of moderate conservative risk profile, and as well introducing a what we call a guaranteed investment fund. So this is a, a mutual fund investment uh, purchased through an insurance company. But what it does is it provides some guarantees to her. Now, there's a cost to have that, but that, that cost sort of outweighed her comfort level. First thing is there's a minimum sort of guaranteed level of return, and that's 3.2% per year. Uh, it could be higher than that, but the floor would be about 3.2%. And then at 65 or 70 or any time after retirement at 65, uh, she could elect a guaranteed payout. And at 65, that would be a 4.2% payout. So there was a lot of comfort in just having some fixed or guaranteed income as part of her uh, retirement lifestyle as well. Um, I wanted her to reduce her, reduce her holding tax, 1300 a month. So she was getting refunds in the tune of $15,000 a year. And so uh, I, I said, listen, we're going to reduce your uh, withholding tax by 1300 a month. We're going to put that directly into your RRSP, so we maximize that throughout the year. You don't have to come up with a lump sum at the end of the year. We wanted to consolidate bank accounts, pay off some credit cards, a line of credit. And um, the goal was to reduce, you know, reducing her bank fees and reducing her interest costs as well. Um, she was currently paying about almost 50 bucks a month in terms of bank fees. And uh, at the time she was going to sell her home and uh, at retirement and downsize, the proceeds were going to be used to pay off any remaining debts and pay uh, maximize her tax-free savings account. And uh, the balance would be invested in something a little more moderate, aggressive, uh, and draw an income from that as well. She would need to convert her RSPs to a RIF at retirement. There was no um, no deferring to age 71 in this case. And um, so what I looked at then is if I just ran the numbers, uh, her current situation, she had about a 53% chance of getting to age 95 and not running out of money. And so that was a bit concerning. And we really the, what it meant is that at age 87, she would probably have to sell her other her existing home. She has two homes, principal residence, and use the proceeds to fund the remaining of retirement. She could work an extra year, or sorry, an extra three years to age 68 and get herself uh, 100% for sure, or she could reduce her retirement spending from 12 per, by 12% from 5000 to 4400 a month. So we worked through a couple of different scenarios. We're still trying to find the, the, the perfect answer in terms of the plan, but I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up. It's, reti- it's a COVID retirement, and the process is exactly the same as it's always been. Um, we, we step people through their goals, their current situation, and then develop a comprehensive financial plan to answer all of those retirement questions. Are either one of you finding that uh, people who probably thought they had a couple more years to go are, say, are saying to themselves, you know what, I've had it, I'm out, I'm retiring early. Are you finding that? Kind of seeing both ends of the ends of the yeah. Scott. So you're getting some are saying, you know what, uh, times out. I, I'm really enjoying this uh, trial retirement here I'm having because of COVID, and it's giving them kind of a glimpse of the future. Others are saying, oh boy, I would never. I'm way too early to retire. I couldn't stand it. I got to get back out. So I'm seeing both ends of those, 
And uh, we'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out when, it, when we kind of kind of get back to normalcy. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Todd. Take care, everyone. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.